Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Just before we start the pod this week, I just want to give a little push to our board breakdown shirt. Uh, it's going to be available to the 31st of January, and it's not coming back. So if you want a fantastic Bora shirt for £30, then... Get it at S66 Sportswear. Uh, well, the link will be in the description below on your podcast provider and in the YouTube comments. Now, let's talk about the Borough and we'll talk about the win against Watford. Look ahead to Blackpool and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast and this is all your Borough match day chatter in a pod. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Emerson! Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown podcast with Johnny Dana and Tom. We are the Borough podcast that gives you all of your Borough match day chatter in a podcast and Bora won two goals to nil against Watford goals from Akpom and Foss gave Bora all three points helped us move to third in the championship tail with 45 points from 29 games uh Dana Moll, how are you feeling in three words uh we are cooking as my dad would say um yeah it's just brilliant to watch us at the moment to be honest and obviously last week was not the great a uh, great result for us it wasn't a great performance but what a way to bounce back against the side that are vying for, for promotion in the playoffs with us. Just a really, really good performance. And, it, you know, that first half in particular left me purring. So really happy whenever we've got a knockback under Carrick, we've got straight back up at the very next attempt. And, and that is the sign of a team that just is in a really good moment, despite having those little pushbacks at times. So, yeah, we are we are cooking and hopefully we could keep cooking all the way into the Skybet Championship playoffs because there's truly, truly nothing better than a promotion battle. You know, you're checking your your Sky Sports app, seeing what the score is and hoping and praying on other teams' downfalls. It's it's beautiful. It's peak EFL uh, and I'm loving every minute of it. Yep, and Tom Green, and before you ask, no, you're not. Um, how are you feeling in three words? Uh, that joke was terrible. Um, uh, it's like more than three words, but uh, <laughs> uh, checking for hotels would be my three this week. Um, just great performance yesterday, as Danny was saying, the, the ability to bounce back after you know, horrendous defeat at, uh, at Sunderland last week. Um, 
you know, it, it was it was great to play against Wofford as well, who are always uh, a difficult team to play against. I think, even though they seem to have about fifty players out injured at the moment, they seem to have a pretty decent stockpile anyway. So it was still a a good team that was was playing yesterday, and I don't think we we gave them a chance. Mm. Well. My three words are going to be the three words that I always use when we win, and it's, we're going Tizzler. Uh, because we are fantastic. I really enjoyed yesterday. Um, I thought we were really good in the first half. Second half could have been slightly better. Um, but to, to kind of to play devil's advocate, I think we were really good, but I think we can be better. And I think we can definitely improve on what we were like yesterday. And I know fans will be like, oh, well, yeah, how can you not be happy with that? I just think we can be better than that. You know, there's those parts of the game where we, we could have improved on in terms of passing, not being less wasteful. But we'll come to that in, in, in a moment. But let's uh, talk about Watford because there was two changes um, to the game again from the defeat to Sunderland. Uh, McNair and Archer came in for Fry and Crooks. Uh, Tom, what was your overall assessment of the game yesterday? Uh, just thought we played extremely well. Uh, there was a lot of quality one-touch football going on. I think more than we have seen in in recent games as well. Um, thought the link up with the four uh, attacking players, McGree, uh, Akpom, Force, and, and Archer was fantastic. That some of the the balls that were going through to Archer was just reminding me of you know Borough must be going with proper FIFA 13 tactics here and just play through balls to the lad with Nike pace and get him on the end of it because he, he was quick. Um, and yeah, I, I thought he was he was unlucky um, not to not to get a goal. Um, from from the Watford side of things, like I said, they're always a strong team to to play against. And going into it, there was a couple of players I had um, kind of in mind, thinking these will be tough to play against. One was Keenan Davis, who, when he went off at half time, I was actually surprised he was even playing because uh, I hadn't seen the Watford team before we started, and I was just like, we haven't even given him a, a sniff at goal, so he's just looked absolutely anonymous. And the second one was Matthias Martins, who I signed three years ago and footy manager as part of me. <laughs> of course. Brazil's team, so uh, I feel like I should have some sort of finder's fee for Watford from that. Um, but yeah, it turns out he was uh, nothing to be worried about. He had that, that one chance where he got through one-on-one. He wouldn't have missed that on footy manager, but he does in real life, so... Mm. It was a glorious, glorious miss as well, wasn't it? I thought he was gonna. I was waiting for the net to bolt in. I was like, I was like, well, <laughs> that didn't happen, did it? Mm. Um, but Dana, you said you were purring uh, at the first half yesterday, like a cat. Um, are you still <laughs> feeling like a cat now? Uh, are you happy with that performance yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. I mean, yeah, just echo what Tom said about some of the, the really slick and intricate play that we were watching. You know, down that left hand side. And then on the right as well, Tommy Smith providing those overlaps and making sure that Marcus Force got space. Riley McGree in that floating role, who I think is going underappreciated a little bit because although he's not he's not registering goals assists probably at the volume that we would want from him, but he's playing such a vital part in this team. You know, drawing players out of position, vacating those uh, key pockets of a football match, and then allowing Giles just that open. Uh, space to be able to uh, to exploit like a like a um, like an air airport, but it's just brilliant. Um, you know the the way that we were playing yesterday was 
honestly it was sensational at times and I was a bit disappointed in the end that we didn't make it more than two because I think we probably should have done um but it was just controlling that second half and we we probably did let up a few more attacks you know the uh, xg in the first half was 0.36 the xg in the second half was 0.82 so we still conceded a few attacks probably could have conceded a, a lot more opportunities one must say I was really disappointed with Watford I thought their organization was absolutely terrible throughout the first half in particular but the whole match in its entirety they just looked at sixes and sevens but take nothing away from Borough I thought we were we were excellent and um, it was one of those real statement wins that makes you think okay you know we're in a really good moment as I said we can continue this and uh, yeah I was just really really happy that we played the way that we did because we were fantastic yeah, and how important was it, Tom, that like we were able to bounce back as well from last week's defeat? I know we were a bit down uh, down after the game. You were very angry at, at, um, in our group chat um, about about it as well. But to have those setbacks and then to come back, beat someone who's above you in the league, a Premier League quality side, really in terms of in terms of like individuals within the group, um, and to turn them over and to do, do it the way we did. How important was it that we've we've gained confidence that confidence from that, and then also the ability to kick on as well in the next few games? I mean, just to clarify, I'm still annoyed because I always expected us to beat Watford, so <laughs> I did one seven or nine points out of the the last three games. But um, yeah, it, it is really important, and I think we we did see um, kind of early signs of it against uh, Brighton. You know, that type of result could really knock a a team's confidence. You conceding that many, and you know being absolutely played off the park to be fair but bounced back straight away afterwards and then against Sunderland as well you know it's uh, a game where I felt like it was the first one we didn't score in under Carrick uh, if I'm remembering rightly um, yeah you know we, we've been been kept out and uh, you know not scored in that game it again it's it's very different to the Brighton game could, but could easily knock confidence and you wouldn't have you wouldn't have uh, noticed anything different in in that performance yesterday. If anything, we looked more confident. I was just um, just thinking there with with how uh, Dana was talking about the the Watford team with with no organisation stuff. So we were playing around them like they were them kind of. Um, I don't know what the word is for them. You know, you know the yellow like man things that they have on the the training ground. Oh, like the dummies. That would be it. Playing yeah. around them like they were just dummies on the training grounds. Like we we were so good against them yesterday, and and like I say, some of that that one touch passing we were seeing. There's no absolutely no um, visible signs of any effect on on confidence from from last week. So I think that does show uh, a real kind of resilience in the squad, and it is something that you you need to to be finishing in the playoffs. I was really surprised at their setup yesterday. Sorry, Johnny, just because, huh? you know, they were playing a three at the back. And I text Luke, obviously, our, our resident Watford fan, probably gets more mentions on this than anyone else. But I said to him, is, is Chowdhury playing right centre-back here? And he was like, oh, no, he just drops really deep. And then that just stuck through the rest of the game. So I was like, they're playing a three at the back. And they've got Mario Gaspar, who's a defender, who's a right-back by trade, playing as a defender in a position that I think Hamza Chowdhury should have been playing in. So, like, mm. it was just, it was very odd setup from Bilic. And I think, I don't want to focus too much on Watford, but I think there's probably a lack of organisation there and maybe maybe problems from a coaching side of things. But, you know, our play midfield, the press, the drive from Hackney in particular, 
pushing onto them, vacating the spaces that they were leaving him behind. It was just a really, really good game and a really good tactical um, sort of matchup. Well, mm. you know, Borough won it, and uh, yeah, it was brilliant to watch. Yeah, and I think obviously with, with the Gaspar stuff. Um... Again, I didn't expect him to play in in that central position yesterday, but I also thought with with him playing there, it gave Borough a big advantage because it felt like you could you could sense his he was uncomfortable being there. Also, I didn't understand why Chowdhury was playing right centre half either. Um, if you switch them over, it might give him a little bit more balance. But in terms of like Borough yesterday and, and like how we were able to create chances, to be honest, I thought we created a lot of our chances yesterday because of how poor Watford were. Um. With, if you look at like the average positions of it, I feel like we had a couple. We had a one. I'd say one side of our game plan yesterday. I was hoping to try and find a clip for it, but I couldn't. Be, I couldn't find it. But um, th- when we look at like the average positions of the game, I feel like Borough targeted that right hand side uh, with Marcus Force and Tommy Smith, and because they used uh, Sar as the person because of his low, probably low defensive rate. Really, um, with him not being able to track back as much, Borough able to get the two v one on that right hand side, which. Obviously, with that space in between, you you're getting you're getting a lot you're getting in behind from that. But then also the central areas as well. I think with Borough the last few games, I think the more we can control those central areas and really dominate in the midfield with Hackney, House, and, and get Akpom within that and try and bring players forward. We just create so much space on 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 the width, uh, on the width of the wide areas. Sorry, and I think that helps us really getting behind teams and really creating advantage. But also with Cameron Archer too, like. His ability yesterday to turn the defenders on on a sixpence and also uses if for someone who was very small outwitted a lot of people um, who were taller than him, which I thought was really impressive as well. But in terms of how we were able to create chances, I think it was Watford. I think they were just poor in possession or oppressed really, really well. And when we're looking at even at goal kicks as well, where there were the goalkeeper was putting the ball at the center of the box, the, there was a really nice balance towards there was five on one side, five on the other side. Nothing much too over overleaning, and it just gave Borough the ability to kind of press when we needed to. Um, and I feel like that that recovery was really, really good, and we were thoroughly deserving of our chances and, and victory yesterday. But in terms of like the first goal, really good counter attack, um, and then we were a bit fortunate, I think, with with you know Akpong. It was an ugly time. goal. It was a beautifully ugly goal, and it travelled in mm. slow motion. I didn't think it was going to go in, to be honest. And Not um, and, and with that, as well, you thought, oh, Ash is going to score here. That heavy touch, and you go, oh, no, he's absolutely worse. You did, you did so well. And then Akpom somehow dinks it by accident and then somehow heads it in. <laughs> but when your luck is there and you're scoring goals and you're about to sign a deal to sell your book in the Cleveland Centre, things happen. <laughs> um, so... Well, the, the second goal, Dana, um, it is a really well-worked well goal from us, isn't it? Now, as you take a sip of your Sorry, water. Sorry, that, that was quite possibly um, the worst time in time. ever to take a sip of water. Um, yeah, I mean, we again, we've scored so many good goals under under Carrick and this one I, I really enjoyed. I think we took advantage of, of Watford's lack of organisation, really. I mean, if you're a Watford fan watching that goal back and you're looking at the amount of space that Johnny Housen has to basically just dictate whatever he wants to do from, from that point onwards, that is ridiculous. I mean... That area that Housen, you know, is in is where really you think Hamza Chowdhury should be. You're really sort of tough tackling, hard hitting midfielder, a bit of a shit house. You know, you probably want him in that position, but it's really good, uh, you know, picking out Housen and then Housen has options there. He's got Cameron Archer making a run um, 
on the inside of Kamara and then forces making that run into space behind Sierra Elta. And Hamza Chowdhury comes and pushes towards Housen because he really has to, is the only option there to be able to do that because all of the the players around him, the midfielders are basically chasing back. They're already at a disadvantage at that point. And it was a really good um a really good move because we've got a lot of runners there. You've got Akpom making a run as well. You've got Archer spinning on the on the inside of Kamara. You've got Marcus Force obviously pointing, doing that Andrew Sparrar, wanting that ball in behind. Um, and Housen's just got so much time to be able to spot that opportunity and to, to obviously play that pass. And Sierra is is pretty much... <laughs> what's a better word for... A family, more family friendly word for in that situation, to be honest, because <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of a synonym. I'm so sorry. You might need to bleep that out. But we like he's to apologize. Was <laughs> with that language. <laughs> he's got no no chance there, to be honest. He's he's really he's up against it. He's got two men running um, sort of on the outside of him. He's got a man running the inside of Kamara. It's it's a massive struggle for for Sierra in that position, but. Force is the most on option there and he plays a, a pass through to him and Force is really good in this situation because, you know, that goal kind of reminds me of uh, when Albert Adorma t- took the ball sort of beyond David Button and just delayed it a little bit to to probably um, wait for that more advantageous shooting opportunity. But I, I think with this, it actually plays out quite difficult for Force because in the end, the XG of that shot is 0.29, which is incredibly low. Backman comes out, Kamara and, and, and Ferrara sort of try to squeeze the space. But he puts the ball where he can only really put the ball, to be honest, because you've got to think about it. They're shifting towards the right side of the goal as Force is looking at it. He can't curve it towards that corner. He has to put it back across where it came from. And I think that's the sign of a, of a really good finisher. It comes, sorry, it goes through uh, Daniel Backman's legs. You know, he's got three players there trying to block the goal from him. And he just ever so casually just puts it through Backman's legs into the back of the net. And of course, he he finishes that with, with a knee slide, the first knee slide club of 2023. I whipped my phone out so quickly to take a photo because he left an incredible mark yeah. on the pitch of the knee slide that I need to zoom yeah. into. It was just mm. superb. It was there for a while. But yeah, really good goal. I do apologize for my language. Um, but yeah, really, really good goal. Enjoyed it. And um, yeah, Max Force, five goals, three assists this season. Not bad for somebody that Chris Wilder just didn't really deem a, a starter at that point. So yeah, really good for Marcus Force. I just want to quickly go back then on, on the on the knee slide graphic number two. Um, <laughs> it's a good a good graving of the of the grass there. I think it's a nice mm. slide. Um, we're talking about a couple of yards there. I think so. He puts some me, passion I, into it as well. Mm, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this one because you know I, obviously it's a big goal just before half time. You know, it's a nice little slide, a bit of passion there. Um, everyone loves a bit of passion mm. every now and again, don't they? So. Um, <laughs> I would probably give that. Whew, I'd probably give it a seven out of ten. I think I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be too judgy. I think you know. I, I thought it's gonna be a nine or tens. I think a nine or tens. Mm. Where like, probably I'd say a ten. Is you remember when Sol like Sol Campbell does that slide tackle and just falls off the pitch? <laughs> I would say that's a ten. Like if if you mm. were to slide all the way through, but for me, I think that's a seven. Um, to be fair, Marcus Force has given us an absolute stinker of an e slide. But also, mm. he has given us a 10 out of 10 against Blackpool, which was just absolutely delightful. The lovely little swoop, and he gets up. It's it's brilliant. So, uh, yeah, I think seven's probably fair. If I was to maybe 
push it up to a 7.5, I probably would, but yeah, really good. I'm glad that it was Marcus Force that, that gave us the first E slide of 2023. Yeah, my love for Marcus Force is only increasing. But uh, Tom, there's another player that a lot of fans seem to have loved yesterday. It was Cameron Archer, first league start of the season uh, for him in from, well, against Aston Villa. He didn't start at all. <laughs> it was his first league start for Borough. Um, but he was majestic yesterday. So give me your thoughts on Cameron Archer. Yeah, a fantastic performance yesterday. Uh, such a turn of pace on him. I, I thought for um, for the build up to the first goal. I mean, firstly, what a what a pass from Ryan Giles inside his own box to to nearly assist it. But um, yeah, just the way he kind of effortlessly knocked it past the the Wofford player. The only thing that let him down there was a heavy first touch at the end. But it, he was he was offering just such a different uh, style of attacking for us. One we've not had. Um, for the the you know previous parts of the season, I mean, you know, Akpom and Force uh, can do well in terms of their positional movement, and they've both got a fair amount of pace on them. He was something else yesterday, and I just think I'm really excited on what that's going to offer us uh, in games moving forwards, and especially you know with um, with Balassa. Uh, you know, potentially coming into the team as well, having seen some of the you know highlights from Rotherham he's had and some of the you know absolute fantastic through balls he can produce, I think that's just going to work so well with Cameron Archer as well. There was a moment in that first half where he had it and there was nobody around him. There was no option on for him really, and everyone around me was was saying he's got no support. And he just it's he puts it be I think between Cathcart, he knocks it between Cathcart and Sierra Elta, just says see you later, just spins beyond them. And at that moment I was like, Yeah, he's a good player in mini. I mean, well before that, because I think that was deep into the first half. Well before that, I was thinking, Yeah, we've got a good player here. And mm. everything that we probably needed to get Sunderland. So I'm really glad that Carrick has eased him into things and that he's he's a starter, or hopefully he's a starter now, because honestly, he's some signing for us. I, I don't think any team in the championship can make a better signing than Borum signing Cameron Archer. Mm. Or we could say Dan Balassa, you never know, because he could be a better uh, yeah. signing. But who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, I really liked Archer yesterday as well. I think he changes Borough's attacking dynamic a lot. Um, I think we're a lot more fluid in our play um, and we're able to get in behind teams a lot quicker than we have done previously. I think sometimes with Crooks, although it's very, very good, um, it just offers something a little bit different. I think with, with Crooks, you know, you've got to try and play him to feet and the ball through is sometimes a bit rare, where, whereas we can be, we can probably do both of Archie. You know, he can hold up if he needs to, but more, more of it, he's much, much better on that half turn and he's getting him behind really really well and it was really good to to see him come into the team yesterday do really well but also to play with the likes of McGree uh Akpom and Force and himself all like connecting really really well um Bora um just attacking brilliantly um but let's move on to the post-match stuff then because Carrick uh said on BBC T's like we created a lot of chances I uh, lacked that final pass which at, at times which shows there's still a little bit of work to do um, Tom, are you happy the way that um, Carrick is not fully satisfied, even though it's, it's it's a great win for us? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it's one of my favourite things to see in a manager or head coach where they come out after the game say never fully fully satisfied. There's always very high standards to to reach, and I, I would tend to agree with him on this one. I think the 
the one that stands out to me, the bit of play yesterday, uh, where I'm thinking the final ball wasn't completely there, was in the second half. Um, Riley McGree took it across the, the face of the box. He had Tommy Smith on the overlap on the right-hand side, but instead he pulled it back onto his left foot, which you know got a few groans from people around me. Uh, tried a through ball, didn't come off. Uh, it, it got picked off from, from the defenders. I think because we were 2-0 up, I don't think that really made too much of a, a an impact. But I think if if it was nil nil at the time and we're in search of a goal, I think that more might have been made out of that. Um, so for me, I mean, it, it, it's always kind of like worth trying that type of thing. I think especially at two will uh, two nil if you can um, try a kind of like risky through ball uh, where you you do risk um, giving up possession, then you know that that's absolutely fine. But yeah, it, it could have been a lot more than 2-0 yesterday. Um, so I, I, I do agree with, with what Carrick had to, to say on that subject. And yeah, all for it. Brilliant. So let's move on uh, to questions then, because every podcast you get the chance uh, to send us a question uh, via Twitter at Boreal underscore breakdown, email the breakdown hotmail.com or by joining our Telegram chat, where there's over 300 Bora fans talking anything but Bora. Um, and mainly rinsing Luke yesterday. Um, anyway, so the first question is from Ben. He says, will Balassa start for us regularly this season, and who should we drop for him? Uh, Dana Malt, you can take this one. Will Balassa start for us regularly this season, and who should we drop him for? Um, I think you... I don't, I'm not sure, to be honest, is my answer to that. It's difficult, isn't it? Because I think our midfield has been really good. Both Houghton and Hackney individually and as a duo have been performing really well and have been a key, key part to our form under Carrick, having only lost four games under him in all competitions. For me, I think he's the long-term replacement for Housen. Whether or not he would get in for him and start in place of him regularly, I'm not so sure. We've seen it with Cameron Archer that Carrick quite like to ease him in gently and probably get him up to speed with probably the, the connectivity with him and Akpom and players around him. Obviously, Akpom's come out and said that he's working on his teammates' games, so maybe that was just the case with Kamen Archer as well. Might be the case with Dan Barlasa, but I think, honestly, in the short term, he might come in for Hayden Hackney. I just think it's probably easier to rotate him with Hackney because it's the the reason of, oh, yeah, well, he's a young player. This is his first season in the championship. His, his minutes need to be managed. I'd be more surprised if if um, Housen does get dropped in the short term. But I definitely think mid to long term he is a, a Housen replacement because you've got to think about that dynamic in midfield. I don't think Dan Barnas is necessarily somebody that could take, take something on the half turn uh, and then, you know, uh, sort of pass the ball from there. Although I think, we you know, in certain highlights I've seen, he has done that, but I probably have more confidence in Hayden Hackley doing that so long term I think you're probably looking at them too but in the short term I honestly think Housen might come in and out of the side for him but it's good options to have Dawn you know really good options to have in midfield the quality that Dan Barlasa possesses the performances that we've seen from Housen and and, uh, and Hackney it's just a really good headache for for Michael Carrick to have. It is, it is, um, and I agree with you, Dan. I think he's going to probably replace Housen, and probably rightly so, to be honest. As much as everyone loves Johnny Housen, he is 
in his mid-30s and we need someone to replace him. So Dan Balassa is a really good replacement for that as well. Um, but next question is from Nick, and I'm going to come to you, Tom. And he says, do you think we need a couple in before the window closes? Appreciate we have got Archer and Balassa in now um, if we want to finish in the playoffs. So do you think we need a couple more? I wouldn't say so. I think we're we're third at the moment on merit and, and we can keep it going. What I would like to see before the end of the window, um, kind of just more of a, a nice to have at the moment, but I'd like to see us bring in uh, someone for the right wing. I think, um, you know, Force has been doing really well playing there. Uh, I just think we do need someone offering something different there. Obviously, we've got Isaiah Jones, um, who, you know, hopefully Carrick's going to be managing back up to his previous form. Um, but I just think uh, another option there, um, someone kind of like in the mould of, uh, you know, and Ogben, as mentioned, was uh, the other day, or like it was mentioned a while ago, as kind of like an unrealistic sign, and but Sergi Canos. Like, if we can get someone similar to that type of player on the right-hand side just to offer something a little bit different to, mm-hmm. to force who's a bit direct, I think that could be, uh, you know, a, a pretty good signing to make. But I, I do like the strategy that we're going with at the moment, that we're not just going to sign players for the sake of it. Um, we've got a list of players who who we want. And, you know, a, a lot of stuff can, can happen in the last couple of days towards the deadline. If certain players do become available and we can get them on loan, then great. If not, then I, f- I think the squad we've got at the moment is good enough to still get playoffs. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I think for me, if, if we were to bring probably one in, one or two in, I'd probably say a left midfield would be uh, somewhere where we can look to strengthen, you know, given a, given a, given us a different alternative to, to McGree. And probably if someone who's uh, more focused on the wing as well like, and, and wants to play wide and try and stretch teams, um, appreciate we use a lot of our width through through Giles and that's great and you know he has he's had a lot of assists this season he's been excellent but also just to double up on the, on those times two natural wingers on that right on that left hand side sorry could cause a lot of problems and you can, you can stack it um, with overloads and stuff like that so that could be something we could, we could look at who knows um, I'm not Kieran Scott um, but the next question uh, it's from Mike and says do the panel expect any departures before the transfer deadline day. Um, all of us will answer this one. So, Dana, uh, do you want to go first on this one? Do you expect any departures? I do. I think Moon is, most likely. I also think, well, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw on my notifications that Alex Moore has had his, his loan deal terminated. I know he obviously came on towards the end of the game, but I just can't really see it now that we've signed Dan Barlasser. I wouldn't be surprised if West Brom loan him out to another team because I do think they're signing Lewis O'Brien, which going back to what I said about, I don't think another championship club could make a better signing than Cameron Archer. I think that's probably the closest you'll get. But um, yeah, I think them two probably will depart. I wouldn't be surprised if a youngster or two goes out on loan like Carl Kavanagh, potentially. Um, Maybe Darnell Fisher. I mean, there's massive, massive question marks over him. The last time that he was really mentioned was that Derby were interested in him. I don't even know if he's fit, to be honest. I know he was in training pitches not that long ago. So potentially Darnell Fisher, but I don't think it'll be any major surprises, to be honest. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, and there's a, a lovely tweet um on Twitter at the moment with Daniel Fisher and Yannick Balassi. And if anyone wants to say that. Just, just have a look at Yannick Balassi's tweets. Anyway, uh, Tom, <laughs> do you think there's any departures coming uh, before transfer deadline day? Well, I mean, first off, I love that we're being referred to as the panel now. It sounds very... Uh, <laughs> very professional, <laughs> isn't it? On, very professional. On BBC Tees. But um, no, I, I'd agree with Dana on this one. I, d- I don't think there's any um, going to be any like massive shock ones out there. I, I think Rodrigo Amun is, is probably... The the one most odds on to to go back or go somewhere else, and yeah, I, I also wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Alex Mort uh, had his deal cut short either after the sign of Dan Molassa. So I, I would say it's those two. I don't think there'll be any anyone else kind of around the first team um, who who leaves, but who knows? Like I said in the the last question, a lot of stuff can happen. Last couple of days of the uh, of the window, um, the club have said in, in articles the the last week or so, um, we don't have to let anyone go. But if there's there's a good opportunity for a player who's going to get more football elsewhere, and they're not currently in the starting eleven, and they pay the price, then th- they could go. So, you know, maybe that's the only situation in in that uh, that someone does leave. But I, I don't see any uh, any surprises coming. Maybe Matthew Hoppy. I know he's sort of in and around his knees, in and out of the match day squad. Maybe Matthew Hoppy, um, a lone spell. Definitely don't think he, you know, we'll get rid of him on a permanent deal, but just to develop him a little bit and let him have his football because he's, we haven't really seen too much of him since he's joined, have we? And, and also when Tom was talking there, Luke Daniels came up um, in my head. Obviously, he's been rumoured to be of interest to other clubs so yeah you're probably looking at players that are not really involved so much so again you know no major surprises I don't think 
No, I don't think so either. Um, I think other than that, I think we're. I don't think there's any more names. To be honest, I can I can kind of pluck out my out my brain. But yeah, I think you're all spot on there. But then the next question's from Ben. I'll, I'll take this one. He says, "Do you think Villa will be willing to let Archer go permanently in the summer?" No chance. Absolutely no chance. Um, I think I think he signed a four and a half year deal in the summer, um, and you know, although Unai Emery's brought in a couple of forwards in uh, this window. I just think he, this, the kid's got so much potential and he's a really, really good talent. Um, I think Villa would be mad, mad to let him go in, in the summer. Maybe another loan deal, um, depending on where we are next year. But for me, you, you can't let... If, if you're if you're Aston Villa, you do not let uh, Archer go at all. You'd be a fool. Fool, I tell you. Anyway, uh, next one, it's from... <laughs> uh, it's from Boran and I'm Wayne as well. And they said, can we catch Chef United? Dana, can we catch Chef United? No. No. No, okay, then let's move on to the next question. Then. Um, <laughs> then, uh, let's go on to the praise and place then, because the praise and place is the place where to give praise to a player, coach and staff, fan, heck, cut person, hairdresser, sorry, I've got to think of the word. <laughs> and then... Um, uh, I don't know, a lot of random stuff which we like to praise. Um, we Who should go first? Tom Green, who was in your prison place uh, this week? Honestly, after yesterday, it was the whole team. I, I really had a lot of difficulty you know, picking out just one player uh, or, or even two just to, to put in the prison place this week. It was a, a great team performance. Um, everyone played well. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to just put the everyone who was on the pitch yesterday. Okay, I feel sorry for the unused subs. Uh, Dana, <laughs> it was in your... I don't, they did nothing. <laughs> Can I put the hairdresser person in it? The, the haircut hair, person. The haircut person. Um. You know what, I'm going to go for Paddy McNair because I think, I mean, I remember when um, Paddy McNair, when, you know, when Darren Lenahan was out and everybody was sort of thinking ahead and putting the pieces to the puzzle together of, oh God, Paddy McNair is going to be in the team. And, uh, you know, he has performed well when he's been in. He performed well against Millwall. I thought he performed well yesterday. And I think he just deserves a bit of credit, to be honest, because that sort of trepidation that was met with his name being in the starting 11 again, I think was maybe a little bit harsh because let's not forget, you know, Paddy McNair was a really, really good player for us um, for the most part of last season. And then before that as well, he's been a really, really key performer for us. Um, And so I'm really kind of confused. I've never been the biggest fan of him, I must admit. But uh, this sort of doom that, you know, that sort of thrashed upon McNair whenever he's mentioned in in the conversation about being in the team is a bit strange to me. But, you know, I think he's been good when he's come into the starting level. I agree with Tom. I think there's so many players that you can, that you can say yesterday Archer was brilliant Hackney really took control of that midfield with that drive committing plays to him with the runs that he made um, you know uh, Lenahan as well just providing the perfect centre-back partner for anybody that accompanies him Tommy Smith absolutely brilliant there's just so many so many but I think for me just because I want to give him credit I'm going to go with Paddy McNair Okay, then um, I'm going to go with, um, I was going to say Tommy Smith, but like I feel like he got a lot of praise yesterday. Um, so I'm, not gonna give him, I'm, not, I'm just going to be rogue and not put him in now. Um, but no, I think he, <laughs> he, he, he deserves a lot of praise, uh, Tommy Smith. He, he's been excellent. You know, he's came at the side on the Carrick and 
He's just been excellent every game. Just, just it's not like he's hitting nines and tens every week. It's just a steady seven, six and seven. And you just need that in your team, don't you? You just need someone who's going to be consistent every week, not give too much away, and someone you can rely on. And he does that, and he's, he was excellent yesterday. Then also just Marcus Foss. Um, because <laughs> I love Marcus Foss. I will give my heart, my soul, and my key to my house to Marcus Foss. Um, <laughs> I just really enjoy him. I, honestly, I really enjoy he, I know, like, uh, he's coming to the side, he's on the right-hand side, which isn't, isn't his natural position by any means, but he's just, a- just able to find those little pockets of space, which is a very cliche thing to say, um, <laughs> but also getting behind and also just a really, really good finisher. Um, you, can re- you can rely on him, and to be honest, like if you wanted to move him central next season, by all means, move him central because he will get you goals, um, and I really enjoy him. Um, can I just say? Can I just yeah. say on the back of that, like the finishes that we have in our team, the goal threats that we have in our team, Force at Pom Archer, it's like uncharted territory for us Borough fans. You know, ever since mm. I've been supporting this football club, we've been a pr- primarily defensive team. You know, we pride ourselves on our clean sheets, but we're getting clean sheets and we're scoring goals. You know, we're one of the, mm. the highest scorers in the championship. We've got the league's top goal scorer. Like, what's going on? This is this is like Earth 2 in Arrow or something. Like, what? what how are we like, uh, how has this happened? It's just very strange. But yeah, it's really, really good. Honestly, it's it's everything that I think every Borough fan has wanted for the longest time. You know, threats, goal threats in this team. And we've got three of them. Um, three of them in the starting 11 yesterday was just, oh, it's brilliant. And if you want to curse Mills Football Club, just like oh, Dan no, has there, no. you can get your <laughs> Malt shirt t-shirt. Uh, now uh, exclusively at tside.co.uk forward slash the board breakdown merch. And 100% of the proceeds goes to the Morton Your <laughs> Association where we are trying to raise £3,000 uh, this season. Uh, thanks, Dana, because I, I was wondering how I was going to get that in today. And I have, but no. thank you for cursing every <laughs> single Borough striker for the next 50 years. Um, oh, no. Oh. Well, Bernie Slave would be happy down there because no one else will be able to rival his mm. book, stock, book sales. Um, so, <laughs> anyway, um, Dan Balassa, let's have a quick chat about him because we, we are doing a separate video and podcast on Dan Balassa. It's going to be a lowdown. You'll get that probably Monday as well. So if you're listening to us on Monday, it'll probably be with your podcast provider on YouTube as well. So more content for you. But 900k um, were repaired for him, rising to 1.5 million, three and a half year deal. Um, so I want to hear your overall assessment and thoughts, really, guys, um, because we are doing a much more deep dive on him. Um, but Dana Mall, are you happy with Dan Balassa? Because I'm sure you are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've said it before, but, um, you know, I've, I've liked Dan Balassa for a while. And um, I, I've had a, a list, actually, of players in my phone that have stood out to me, either stats-wise or, you know, they've passed the eye test. And, you know, I've, I've referred to this before, but when we had Connor Ripley on loan at Accrington, uh, Dan Barlas was in the Accrington Stanley team. And I just remember loads of Newcastle fans were purring about him and, you know, looking at the highlights of Accrington, he really stood out. So, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that we brought in a player that, you know, was a target for us back in 2018, I believe, or 2017, around that time. Um, and we have sort of hit this market of good players in poor performing teams i think that's probably our little niche there the the market that we can really um sort of attack and and take advantage of so i'm really really happy it gives us a different option in, in midfield um and yeah good value as well 900k initial fee um brilliant really good value um and i think 
will just add to the quality in our midfield and our team overall. Tom? Uh, if, if you just yep, mute, mute hey, the top. Hey. off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a nightmare. Also, also a big fan of this deal. Um, I'm just a big fan of our transfer business in general this season. It really seems like we're we're being clever with who we're signing, like when we're signing them, uh, and and really trying to get the most value out of the deal. I mean, nine hundred k for Dan Balassas, uh, absolute steal if he can replicate what you did uh, stats wise for Rotherham for us. Um, but also, it seems like now we're we're really addressing very obvious uh, gaps in the team. Uh, or, or you know, uh, obvious areas that we do need to improve for long, long term, um, which I can't say I've seen the same from uh, in you know seasons past. Pr- probably even going down to going back to when we were relegated to the championship. I think we've had a lot of windows where we're signing players in certain positions, and we're like, right, what about centre back? Because we're signing no one there. Oh, we'll sign Ryan Shotton right in, uh, close to the deadline, or you know, we don't have any strikers, but we've got an abundance of wingers now. Uh, it, it it really seems like now we've we've really got a plan of of where we're trying to strengthen in the team. So really happy with this deal and most of the business that we've done this season. Yeah, uh, and I can echo what you've both said. Really, I think the the business that we are doing is excellent, and also like. We're finding players that obviously you were saying that Dana around like a good performers and underperforming team. I just find like having that 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 gem, and also finding someone who you can really sell on for much more profit in the future is a really good business model for us to run. Uh, to run. And you don't have to spend millions of pounds to make to make a good football team. You know, you, there is there's really good footballers in every division in football. It's just trying to find the the right one that suits your football team and. The borough have been able to do that over the la- over this last season. I'm hoping we can continue this trend of just keep trying to buy these these players at a, a good value, selling them on. But we'll see more of that probably the next two or three seasons. And this is a really long process. And I don't know if fans want instant success and they want to ha- sign thirty million pound players and all that kind of fun stuff. And if you're like Newcastle, you're like, you know you you, you sign them Claire Baldwin for forty million, but um, we just don't have that money to be honest. And yeah, I'm really enjoying like what we're doing at the moment. So, all all about the Dan Balassa train for me. I'm very impressed, and I can't wait to do a lowdown video on him because he, it's going to be really fun uh, to dissect. But let's move on to to Blackpool, shall we? And used to us, we're absolutely creased at that kind of Yeah, I'm sad you? that we were both on mute because that was <laughs> that, yeah, that was pretty good. It does look like Claire Baldwin. It really does. Um, anyway. <laughs> Borough, welcome. Uh, Mick McCarthy's Blackpool. Yes, the Mick McCarthy. I feel like he's been going for about 100 years um, mm. to the Riverside. And, and the last league win for Blackpool was in October. So there's the bullet curse this week. Um, but to get a bit more insight on uh, Blackpool uh, this season, we spoke to Tom from Up the Mighty Pool Pod uh, to get him out, find out a little bit more. The appointment of Mick McCarthy has been an interesting one, really. I think it obviously contradicts everything that we've probably done under Simon Sadler in his three-year stewardship of the club. So we were trying to build slowly under a progressive young manager in Neil Critchley, sign young players from the lower leagues and polish them up into the diamonds that they've become and sell them on and then reinvest almost the, the, the Brentford and Brighton model. Unfortunately, it's fair to say the board made a strange decision in the summer. Obviously, Critchley did walk out on us and left us with a little wiggle room and in a, in a sort of 
Um, a time when we were looking to build, you know, we, we weren't stable in the championship. We'd only had one season and we were going into season two to lose a manager at that point and also go with someone who's walked out on the club before and had a fractured relationship with the fans in Michael Appleton. It was quite clear that wasn't going to work long term from the off. And unfortunately, that's now left us in a bit of a relegation battle. Uh, so hence the, the short term appointment of Mick McCarthy. So clearly the board's arguably panicked a little bit gone with an experienced head, changed the philosophy from what Michael Appleton was trying to do, particularly on where we were quite open and expansive in our style. And now he's we've brought in a, a centre half who's six foot four and has a long throw on him. So it's quite clear to see that in Charlie Good that we're looking to to stay up at all costs. So putting all of the, the wider context to to one side, I think it is a decent appointment in the short term and he should keep us up. And then it's a case of almost starting from scratch really in the summer. Hopefully that gives a bit of a summary on, on the season so far as well. It started with promising signs in terms of the style of play and trying to open up a little bit on what we were doing last season, but clearly the balance hasn't worked and we've been far too leaky at the back whilst also not really having a clear, proven goal scorer at this level at the other end as well, having lost our key man in Josh Bowler. Bowler's back uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how we set up. Mick McCarthy's well known to like five at the back. Uh, we've obviously signed a couple of centre-halves this, this window as well, so I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to see three centre-halves in uh, against Middlesbrough with two slight wing-backs slash you know, full-backs. But yeah, it's a little bit up in the air in terms of the actual style of play we might be looking at. Against Southampton in the Cup, we had one up front, so it might be that we, we opt for that, but also go with some forwards from out wide as well to try and bring an extra dimension to our play and, and slot Josh Bowler in the hole. In terms of prediction, uh, I think we would take a point at this at this point just to get Mick McCarthy off the board. I am quite confident that we'll go and, and really battle and work work hard to try and impress the new manager as well. So I'm going to go with a one-all draw. Thank you very much uh, for that, Tom. And Tom is expecting a 1-1 draw um, against Borough next weekend. Uh, I just want to hear your thoughts, guys, because... This could be a really big banana skin for Borough, to be honest. You know, a new manager bounce potentially for Blackpool, and they need the three points as well to try and get out the relegation places. So, Dana, how are you feeling about this game uh, next Saturday against Blackpool? I'm feeling confident, which worries me slightly, because, as you said, it could be a game that Borough sort of slip over or shoot themselves in the foot in. Um, it, it is a test. I think I would honestly say it's just as big of a test as the Watford game yesterday because we've beaten a team at the top top end of the table. Now we need to beat a team at the bottom end of the table. And I think you can maybe get a little bit complacent. You could get maybe ahead of yourselves. I, I mean, I don't think that the Borough players will, but probably the fans might because um, I think, you know, Carrick has instilled this calmness and this level-headedness in this Borough squad. So I think they could probably... Uh, approach this game in the right way but you just you never know in this division do you um i think that's probably going to be one of brian gunn's next uh super cuts if you know the ch- you know the championship anyone could beat anyone but it's going to be i think it is going to be tough um but if it's anything like the game at bloomfield road then we're going to be absolutely lapping it up and loving it because that was some performance we just need to replicate that really uh they've got a few injuries they're you know on a sort of descent rather than a uh, than an and ascend. So yeah, it's um I'm confident, but I feel like I should be worried about that. Mm. Tom, are you echoing this confidence uh or or not? Yeah, and 
as with what Dennis just said, I also don't know if I should be worried about that because it's it's not something you're really used to as a Borough fan. So, um, but I, I'm I, I do think we we will win next week, but I do think it's going to be a, a hard game. I'm thinking more. Uh, you know the type of game where you know when we last got promoted, it, it took quite a while to break a team down, and then then we might go and get a a second afterwards. I think they will come here, um, you know, trying to get the get the point to to get Mick McCarthy off the mark and, and and you know build a little bit of positive momentum for them. Um, I do think we should have too much for them, um, but I think when you're going up against a team who uh, likely going to play five at the back and are coming for a point. Well, more than, more than likely a point. I don't want to kind of put them down or anything, but um, I, I, I would say that that's you know the, the more likely outcome for them. Um, I can just see it, them making it, it hard and, and and kind of you know potentially sitting in a low block to try and keep us out. So I think we um, I, I think we get a, a goal probably early second half. Then they have to come out and then. Uh, we'll, we'll go on and get another one as well. So personally, I'll go for a two-nil win next week. Yeah, um, it's, this game for me is going to be completely different to, to when we played the million in the season. You know, I think under Appleton, like like Thomas mentioned, they were quite an expansive side. But like under under Mick McCarthy, they're going to be a lot more compact. It's going to be a low block trying to defend their edge of the box, and you know they have brought in a couple of centre halves now. And it just feels to me that they're going to say, well, you know what, lock the ball in the box because we're just going to head it away and hoof it in the channels, um, which probably isn't the the, the thing that uh, Blackpool fans want to really hear. But I think that's how they're going to try and set up against Borough on, on the Saturday. And I think it's going to be a really, really difficult game um, for us. But if we can unlock their defence, you know, show our attacking qualities, which we have done in the last, in the, in the last game against Watford, I don't think we'll have anything to worry about. But Dana, do you, what's your score prediction? Because you didn't give me one. So... Are you going to go for this tension? Four nil, Borough. Four nil. Oh, oh God, sorry. Okay. Um, we'll wrap this up now then. Um, so two nil <laughs> from Tom, four nil from Dana, and I'll say two one Borough because I feel like they might just score um, from absolutely nothing. Um, well, thank you very much, Dana and Tom. Thank you very much for joining me as always. And to listeners and the viewers, thank you very much uh, for watching and listening to us. But don't forget to rate this uh, podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And also give it a thumbs up on YouTube as well. And if you're not subscribing, like the 35% of you that haven't subscribed, because it helps us get found and chatted and all that fun stuff. Um, but Borat climbed to third. Is it time to book the hotel? This has been the Borat Breakdown podcast. And that was our Borat Match Day Chatter in a pod. Up the Borat Breakdown. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.